Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we have the honor of sitting down with Ken Clater. Ken is the lead and founding pastor of the multi-site Alive Church in Orlando and Gainesville, Florida. Today, Ken will talk about his newest book release, As It Is in Heaven, and he'll discuss how a church that resembles heaven can help heal our racial divide. Buckle up, leaders, and let's get started. We are back, everybody, for another episode of The Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. As always, we have the best guests, amazing leaders, pastors, authors who are making a difference in this world. Today, we are with none other than Pastor Ken Clater. Pastor Ken, it's good to have you here on The Avail Podcast. How are you feeling today? Pastor Virgil, man, I am excited to be with you. And looking forward to what we're going to be diving into today. I am pumped. Uh, I think our Avail audience is going to be leaning in with you uh, as we talk yeah. about your new book. We are going to be focusing in on your new book, As It Is in Heaven. But before we do that, I would love for our Avail audience to just get a little taste of who is Ken Clater. Where'd you come from? What are you doing? How did God get you there? Well, we're Florida brothers. We're Florida <laughs> brothers. We're down South Florida and we got North Florida, Central Florida here. Uh-huh. So I pastor a church called Alive Church in two cities, two locations, of course, Gainesville, Florida, go Gators, and also <laughs> Orlando, go Mickey Mouse, let's go. But I was born and raised in West Virginia, you know, and there is black people in West Virginia, um, Randy Moss, Stevie Jakes, and myself, thank you very much. But um, no, I, I went to college at West Virginia University where I met my darling wife, and we got married in 1999, so we've been married for 23 years, huh. I have three beautiful kids, I have a senior in high school and two middle schoolers. And so I went right out of college into business. Never thought I would be a pastor. Hmm. Always thought I would be on many different businesses, restaurants, gas stations, all kinds of different businesses. <laughs> so I went with a business degree, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of years outside of college and it just transformed my life. I got wow. on fire for Jesus, started serving in our church. And Outside of Washington, D.C., my pastor just embraced us and just trained us. And we went through Bible school there. And so back in 2005, God gave me a vision. He said, I called you to Gainesville. And I had to say, where is that? <laughs> and um, I, I had to Google it to figure out where it was. I had no clue where it was. And so at the time, I only knew one person in Florida and she was in Tampa. She held our articles of incorporation like as a registered agent. <laughs> but we launched our church 15 years ago. So now we're about 15 and a half years old. Uh, we launched it in Gainesville. We, we didn't have a launch team, a launch budget. We basically had six people. That's count cats, frogs, dogs, you know, <laughs> everything you can possibly. And uh, we grew to a couple locations in that city. Was able to lead over 20,000 people to Jesus over the first 10 years. We're 15 years in now. Um, we started our Orlando campus about three years ago in the middle of a pandemic, but God's been good. So we just built a building. We renovated an old office max and uh, renovated it in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, so now we got one church, two locations and God's good. Man, I love that. I always love hearing stories because it's it's unbelievable. We all have a story and and most churches and pastors and the story isn't always, you know, from glory to glory in the beginning. It's it's challenges and struggles and, and, and growth. I'm sure I'm sure we could sit here for a while and hear some of those stories. But praise oh, yeah. God, you, you, you are now a live church now two two cities, two locations and yes. uh, battling through some storms here in Florida, how we've been, you know, these last couple of months. 
<laughs> we have we have been, but you know we're surviving. <laughs> we're surviving. Yes, sir. I want to talk about your book, uh, your new book, okay. "As It Is in Heaven: How a Church That Resembles Heaven Can Help Heal Our Racial Divide." Obviously, this is very relevant. This is very uh, important message. Uh, the Lord's yes, put on sir. your heart. Talk about the why. What what's the heart behind this book? Why 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 this book? Why the message? Why now? I love to bring this message to churches. And when I do, I ask the crowd a question. I say, how many of you all are tired of the racial tension in our nation or in our world? Hmm. Unanimous, everybody's hand to go up. And I say, well, how many of you all have been praying and saying, God, give me an answer. Can I be a part of the answer to it? And I really believe that I wrote this book, which is not the response of what we've been experiencing over the last couple of years, but it's been 10 years in the making to give the believer an answer of what they can do. Yeah. Now we understand that um, racism is not a skin issue. It's really a sin issue. And so the church has the answer to division hmm. and his name is Jesus. Yep. Um, it takes a lot of intentionality. It takes, it takes a whole lot. You know, for 10 years, we were an all black church and the Lord began to teach me these specific principles that we put in the book. And so now our church is about 50, 50. It resembles heaven. So as it is in heaven is where every <laughs> Every tribe, every nation is all around the throne of God with one voice on one accord, worshiping one God that made us all. That is the premise of the book. So hopefully it's an answer. <laughs> Man, I love that. You know, and it's funny. It's funny. I'm a pastor's kid myself, right? I I, I grew up in church because my parents, you know, are pastors, but we're Hispanic, right? So I grew up yeah. in a in a predominantly uh, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking, Hispanic people's church. Uh, and growing up and, and throughout the years, and even as I look back, I, I can tell uh, how church for, for so long, so often, and even to this day, can sometimes feel somewhat segregated in, in terms of ethnicities, uh, uh, skin color, cultural. It's, it's interesting. Right. I love that there's churches like your church, right? Uh, and, and many churches that nowadays are beginning to resemble heaven. And, and I love, I love the, heart, the heart of this book. But, but yeah. would you would you agree that that's kind of I mean, that's kind of how it's been, right? Well, that's exactly why I wrote the book, Pastor, because yeah. for 10 years we started off day number one and we put this on our business card. We put this on um, our signs that we were a church for all people. Yeah. But for 10 years, we could not get all people to come. People of different ethnicities, they would come and they would leave. They would come and they would leave. And so for us, we really wanted to figure out, and Dr. Martin Luther King, he is quoted as saying that the most segregated time of our week wow. is still Sunday mornings at wow. 11 o'clock. And it amazes me that Monday through Friday, blacks, whites, browns, yellow, we can get together and make money as long as the money is green. Huh. On Saturday, black, white, yellow, brown, we can get together and we can pass the pigskin as long as we win the championship. <laughs> but on Sunday morning, where we should be the answer that the world is looking to, unfortunately, we can still be the most segregated time when it comes to, and there's a reason why, Pastor. Huh. The reason why is because the church is a social construct. Mm. It is not a corporate construct, and it is not a team construct. In a corporate construct, you're coming together because we're going to make money. In a team, you're going to get the best players. I don't care what your skin color is. But the church is a social construct, mm. meaning that only invite who you know. Wow. And if you only know black people, you will only invite black people. If you only know Hispanics, you're mm. going to invite Hispanics. So it's not even that we're trying to be the visionary or racist. It's just that we're going to invite who we do life with. Yeah, it's, that's a really good point. 
Uh, especially because I think sometimes people want to come in and bash. Oh, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just, it's just how it is. So what I'm hearing really from you is, and I'm sure you go into this in the book, it requires some intentionality. There, there's, if you're going to have a multiculturally diverse church, if you're going to have, uh, you know, a racially, you know, diver, interracially diverse church, that requ- that doesn't just happen by accident. It's going to take some right. intentionality. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, you all, it almost feels like you know the book so well yourself. <laughs> because if, if a pastor or leader, in these principles, they work for business leaders, they work for any um, group of people that you want to create more diversity in. Yeah. But if you were to ask me, what is the number one thing that I have to do to create more diversity in my space? I would say it's intentionality. Yeah. Hands Bridges are not built by accident. You never drive over a bridge and say, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> there needed to be engineering plans, millions of dollars. Yeah. There was a lot of time that went into it. And when it comes to intentionality, there is a thin line when it comes to intentionality between love and discrimination. Mm. Because sometimes it seems that way if you're being intentional. For example, me as a black man. So when we wanted to be to build a multi-ethnic culture, I had to say if there were people that was not my skin color, I would try to befriend them more, invite them over to my house more, get them involved more, help them find family more. And it almost seems like discrimination, but you have to go back to the motive. My motive is not to separate. It's actually to unite. Right. It's the action that I am giving favor for a season to who I need to give favors so we can kind of balance out this group of people. Mm. And that intentionality is seen in our parking lot. It's seen on our stage who's singing. It's seen in every picture that we post. I have what I call a 50-50 rule where I tell all of my social media team, I want 50-50. I don't want anybody to feel like a minority here. And I don't feel like the majority. So if you're going to post somebody that's black, post somebody who's brown, yellow, white, you got to go and intentionally make sure that people, when they see us, feel like they're they are welcome here. Yeah. And that's the main, you need people to feel like I belong here. Yeah. There's somebody like me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think this is what you're sharing is really, really important and very insightful uh, because if we don't think about it and we're not intentional, we're going to just probably just continue to have more of the same. Uh, but when we take some steps and think about that, um, I think you mentioned that that for many years, uh, your church was predominantly a black church, right? For many years. Can we go practical a little bit? Uh, what are yeah. just practically speaking some tips? Cause there could, I know there's pastors and leaders leaning in right now saying, okay, what are some practical things I can begin to think about, do or learn uh, so that my current homologous church can begin, be, begin to become a little more diverse. Yeah. I think number one, it has to be in the heart of the lead pastor. Uh-huh. And I don't feel like everyone has to be diverse. I believe that there are some people, depending upon the demographics of your city, try to reach the demographics of your city. If you're in Vermont, that's going to be different than if you're in Atlanta. And we understand that. So we're not trying to act like this is the only way to do it. And I believe that God can use many different styles of churches to win all kinds of different people. But I would tell the president, the CEO, the, the business leader, that this first has to be in your heart. This is not, I'm not having a multicultural, multi-ethnic church because it's the next cool thing. Right. Um, doing it because this has been my wiring from middle school. I love to see ethnicities together. I just believe God's will. It's part of my call. So I'll give you a key. And this is in the book, but here's a key. One of the things that I did when we were 99% black and I had this burden on my heart for 10 years, I didn't see it come to pass. So the Lord gave me this wisdom. I basically brought all of the white people. And I think it was like two brown people over my house. There was like 20 people over my house. 
And I basically got everybody in the huddle. They had no idea why they were coming to the pastor's house. And when they walked in, they're probably like, like, <laughs> this is the only white people in the whole church. Okay, we're having a <laughs> So we sat in a huddle and I, I started this way. I said, um, do you love this church? And I said, tell me why if so. And they went around talking about how much they loved the church and how it changed their lives. And man, they started to talk about how one person said, I was addicted to alcohol for this many years. I've been here and I've been set free. My marriage was headed for divorce, but now mm. my marriage is restored. And they began to galvanize. And in my living room began to cry because of the things that God had done in their life through our church. Then I said, well, why aren't more of your family and friends here? And then they began to tell me of how their family would persecute them because they go to an all black church. They even told me how some people in our church already treated them unkindly because they didn't look like the majority. And so I said, listen, let's put all that to side. I said, God has given us a vision to be a multicultural, multi-ethnic ministry. Mm -hmm. And I said, I need you guys to be my G3 crew. They was like, what's G3? I said, out of Galatians 3, it says that we're neither bond or free, male or female, Jew or Greek, but we're one in Christ Jesus. And from this day forward, I don't want many races. I want one race, the human race. And I need you to own this church. This is your church. I said, I'm your pastor. You mm. love this church. I said, I need to take you 20 people and I need you to multiply yourself into 200 people within 12 months. Can you do this? And they said, yes, sir, we can. And wow. we broke that. And in 12 months, they got in the front of the parking lot and one person will act like he's 20 people. They, we turned their microphones down, put them on the stage, let them sing. We, 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 they got in every picture. And within 12 months, we began this momentum after 10 years of stagnancy where, where we become the church that we are today. And that's a principle that anybody can use. You just got to use it with wisdom. Yeah, I'm hearing there. I'm hearing there. Um, it's got to be in the heart of the lead leader. Mm -hmm. There's got to be kind of a, a kind of a gathering and a and a hearing some hearts and then there's got to be kind of a vision casting of let's do this right let's go right. um i love that thanks for sharing that i think that's gonna it's already i'm taking notes and that's already helped me um as, as i look at some <laughs> of the titles uh of the chapters of your book um mm -hmm. seeing color for the first time a glimpse of heaven yeah. um uh, divided by dirt digging up the roots those all kind of capture my attention. Can you just unpack maybe one of those thoughts, one of those ideas of those first chapters in the book? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not sure if this is a, a, a chapter title, but it's included in one of the chapters and it has to do with how we define race. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so Genesis, the revelation, God never calls race the way we do. He doesn't call us black people, white, yellow, brown, mm -hmm. red, or what we know is the races. And so the question is, is where does race as we know it today come from? And I'm not real sure exactly where it comes from, but I can tell you where I think it got its momentum. Um, there was a book that I read years ago um, called Darwin's Plantation. And the theory was that uh, the inventor of evolution, uh, Darwinism, um, his basically his first writings was called The Preference of Preferred Races or, or The Evolution of Preferred Races mm -hmm. or The Battle for Preferred Races, something like that. You can look it up. Mm -hmm. So basically evolution in its nature is racist, meaning that the lighter you are, the higher you are up the evolutionary chain. Wow. And that's actually what's being preached in our in our public schools to our kids is a theory that we have evolved from apes and the lighter you are, the more you have evolved. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to renounce yeah. things that do line up with scripture. And so when God talks about people groups, he doesn't say white, yellow, black. He talks about saved and unsaved. Yeah. He talks about nationalities. 
He talks about um, uh, uh, Jew and Gentile, but he never uses race as we know it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because in the eyes of God, there's one race, the human race. Yeah. And there's different ethnicities. You know, I love Spanish food. I love, uh, <laughs> frankly, I love Spanish everything, Spanish culture, <laughs> Spanish dancing. I'm a salsa merengue dancer myself. I love different cultures. Thank God that we don't all look the same and we do have heritage and we do have history. Yeah. But the truth is, is that we're more alike than we are separate. Mm -hmm. And the difference that we have, it's almost like we versus them. It's like blacks versus the whites, the whites versus the yellows, the yellows versus the browns, when it should be the people versus the devil. Right. And if we can ever get the people of God versus the devil, Come on. well, then we'll, we will be in the position to be able to really win. But as long as we have the us versus them mentality, because we have all these different races, genetically speaking, pastor, human beings are 99.9% the same. <laughs> Meaning that if we have the same blood type, I might can get a kidney from you, but can't get it from another African-American brother. Right. So we, we all have a past. We all have hair, hopefully. We all have teeth, hopefully. <laughs> we all have tongues. I mean, we are a lot more alike. So why are we divided? Because the devil knows the kingdom divided against itself yep. can stand. And we have the answer. We can do something about it as the church. Yeah. We really can. Why, why this, this is a very, um, I think a lot of people out there won't, won't ever get here. Cause most people aren't thinking sp the spirit. Most people are thinking mm -hmm. the body and, and the soul feelings, emotions, thoughts, but there, there is a, this is a very spiritual issue. I think there's, I think there's a spiritual attack, um, on mm -hmm. the church and on, you know, on, on the kingdom of the plans of what God wants to do. There's, there's, there's an enemy who wants to stop it. Why do you, why would you say, Pastor Ken, that that this this seems to be high on the enemy's agenda, right? To 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 have just interracial tension and and disconnection and not multiculturally diverse, in, especially in churches. Why, why why do you think it's such an area of attack for the enemy? Whether you're an innovator in ministry, business, or your community, Avail Plus is designed to take you to the next level. What is Avail Plus? It's an exclusive leadership resource that offers access to brand new premium resources like books, study guides, and masterclasses. It's a chance to connect with other leaders on live calls and classes. It's early access to materials no one else has held in their hands. It's the catalyst to your next season of growth as a leader. To find out more about how you can become a member of Avail Plus, head over to theartofleadership.com forward slash avail dash plus. I believe it's because one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Come on. I, I believe it's because there's a power in our unity. And I believe that where brethren dwell together in unity, there's a commanded blessing and yeah. the oil will flow greater. And I think what most people don't understand, and this is why for some people, it's like, why is this important? Let me tell you why. Because the um, Jesus's last command is our first concern. That's what we say, which is Matthew 28, uh -huh. to go to the world and make disciples of what? All nations. Yep. That is a multicultural command. And if you are serious about Jesus's last command, it mm -hmm. is not just disciples of people that have your skin tone. It is going to the nations. It is a multicultural command. Yes. Not only that, but the last thing that Jesus said, because people will say that that's the last thing Jesus said, his last command is our first concern, but it's not. The last thing Jesus said was over in Acts chapter one. And he says, he talks about the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts one. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will then be witnesses where in Jerusalem, 
Judea and Samaria? Do you know the bitterness between the Samaritans Uh and the Jews? What was that? His ascension. The last thing he said was another multicultural command. It was. And so this is something that is important on the heart of God because we are more powerful when we're diverse. We are not powerful when black people get together with black people and we like the same music and we all vote the same and we all think the same. We are more powerful when somebody who likes hip hop is sitting down with somebody who likes country music and somebody who likes tacos is sitting down with somebody who likes color greens. When somebody who is poor is sitting down with somebody who is rich. Come on. And that's what the church is supposed to look like. And the devil knows that and he's nervous. And that's why he wants to keep us on the opposite ends of the line. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. OK, so when when was it when was it that you maybe even with your wife, you guys stopped for a second and said, it's happening. Yeah. Our church, our uh-huh. church is beginning to resemble heaven. Like yeah. we're, we're do, we weren't doing it before, but now yeah. like uh-huh. we're seeing it. We're, we're getting a taste of it. When, when was that? How did it feel? What was happening? Brother, that is a good question. It is about five years ago and it just shifted. Huh. It just shifted. After that G3 meeting, I knew intentionality was the key. So I started making intentional hires. Yeah. And so I started really um, being intentional with my staff, intentional with my leaders, intentional with my guest speakers. And then we just started seeing it happen. And I'm telling you, you looked up one day and it's like, oh my God, we got white people in the church. We got more yellow people. Oh my God. You know, not in an offensive way, but like, oh my God, that's what we've been believing for, for like over a decade, but we couldn't see it happen. And so yeah, it was probably about four or five years ago. And I mean, it, it when it shifted, it started happening because I remember we, you know, a lot of churches have growth track. We have growth track. Uh-huh. And now we're at Gainesville campus. This was about two years ago. I remember visiting there and I went to growth track and it was like 90 percent white. And I told my team, I said, OK, now we got to go back the other way because you, <laughs> <now, laughs> you got to keep your hands balancing yeah, so it yeah. doesn't far one way or the other. But it's, an, it's a miracle. When you start seeing it happen, it's like, oh, man, praise God. It's worth it. Yeah, I see here <laughs> chapter six of your book, As It Is In Heaven, is, is entitled Every Promise Has a Process. I also yeah. see chapter seven, bringing a dream to life. I mean, yeah. that's what that, that's what I'm sure it's it's it began to feel like is, wow, this this thing that we were dreaming about is beginning to come to life. Uh, can you just share, I guess, some encouragement for, for some pastors and leaders that, that maybe they might feel right now, I don't know if I, if this can really happen with us or with our church. Yeah. Pastor, when you first asked me to share, I just, the first thing that jumped in my head or in my heart was, yeah, it's been, it's powerful to see, but it costs a lot. Right. And it's not even encouragement, but the reality is, <laughs> is that if you want to adventure on a multi-ethnic journey, it is going to cost you something. Mm -hmm. When we changed our music from gospel to a little bit more mid-road, people thought we had lost our mind. I've (laughs) lost friends. Come on. I have lost associates. I've lost people in my church that I thought would never leave me simply because they did not understand Mm. the whole vision. And so I don't, this is not encouraging at all, but I think it is because um, I did not know that it would take me over 10 years to, for that, the promise, um, for that promise to come to pass. I didn't know that the process would be that long. Right. Now, hopefully somebody gets the book, they will find principles because books are like um, shortcuts. They're they're basically, I'm giving you mentorship. I'm giving you 10 years 
in, 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 in a couple hundred pages. And that's why it's so worth the investment because you can grab hold of it and say, that took him five years. It's going to take me five months because what he learned, yeah. I can now kind of stand on the stumps of the trees that he cut down. And so my encouragement would be, don't give up. Don't give up. Mm. And it's okay that people are leaving because when people leave, God's going to send more people and they will probably be multi-ethnic when they come. (laughs) That's just how it happened. You know what I'm saying? We haven't seen a dip in in finances. We just saw almost like a leveling out as God was doing what he was doing. Because I remember we used to have growth like this. And as we it kind of leveled out and it's not that you're doing something wrong. God is just now pruning things. And sometimes there needs to be a pruning for there to be more rich and more excellent fruit. So my encouragement would be, don't give up. You're going the right direction. People might understand you and people who laugh at you today will applaud you on tomorrow if you just keep it up. Yeah, you know, I think it's really good that you say that. I think um, we have this idealistic idea and thought as humans, right, that that things are just going to become like always going to be adding and multiplying. And and I think the concept here is sometimes we have to be willing to lose something in order to gain much more. Um, And, and, and it might, you know, we don't want to, nobody, nobody wants, we don't don't want to, we don't want anybody to leave, but sometimes the, the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of the changes that we want to see and that we want to do. So I think, I think that's great insight. Um, you know, I, I, I see, and you, and you alluded to this, I see a chapter entitled Bumps and Bruises on the Road to Racial Reconciliation. Then there's the, so one concept and idea is really for our organization and our church to resemble heaven, right? That, that right. multi-ethnic, you know, multiracial um, diversity. But then, but then there's this other aspect, which is reconciliation, where there's, where there's strife, where there's pain, where there's tension, where there's hurt. Um, and that's a real thing. And, and that's a real thing. And for some people, it's, it's harder and, and more real and more painful than for others. Can, can you tap into yeah. that? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever I, I preach this in churches, uh, I in my message uh, with two things that I felt like God gave me. Number one is forgiveness. And number two is repentance. Mm. And forgiveness is your ability to release people from owing you anything. And so whether it has been discrimination, whether you feel like you got passed up for a job, whatever has been the pain in your life, um, Jesus was the great example setter of forgiveness. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And so whether it has been slavery, whether there has been social injustices as a Christian, the one thing you owe people is love and you have to be willing to forgive people and let them go. I've heard it been said this way, that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Uh Some reason when it comes to race and the things that's been done throughout history, some feel like, well, because this has been done to me, this is what I want to do to you. But that's not the behavior of a Christian. The behavior of a Christian is God. I release them and I forgive them because you've forgiven me of so much. And the second thing would be repentance, which just means to change our mind and ultimately change Mm -hmm. our direction. Yeah. Racism is not like white people to black people. It is black people to black, white people, white people to brown people, brown people to this people. There's yeah. there's isms around the world. And I think um, one of the things that we have to be willing to do is just to say, God, if I've used the N-word inappropriately anywhere in my life, if I've talked about those people or the police this, because not all police officers are bad, we got to repent. Yeah, We got to, God, forgive me. Yeah. Forgive me for throwing the baby out with the bathwater 
and falling into stereotypical language and judging a book by its cover and being a part of the problem instead of a part of the solution. Yep. And I think we quit yelling at each other and like over talking each other. You would be amazed, man. I was just on a worldwide network and they posted a clip of this kind of conversation. And some of the things that people were saying, I was thinking like, that ain't even what we were talking about. Critical <laughs> race and um, all this stuff like that ain't even what I was talking about. That right. ain't even my. But it's just like you just want to be heard so much that you never hear. Listen, yeah. And so hope is that we can get to the place where we all forgive each other. All right. Because because what I was saying is that racism is not a black or white thing. It's a demonic thing. Right. Slavery, not just it was not just an American thing. It's a demonic thing. Yeah, this yeah. is not like a, a, an American thing. No, no it comes from. Hell. And so when we begin to understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? <laughs> My wrestle is not with the government. It is not with other people of different skin tones. It's with the devil and all of his fallen angels that want to do everything he can to steal, kill and destroy. That's right. And when we finally realize that, I think we can come to the place where we forgive and repent, forgive and repent. <laughs> and and repeat. <laughs> yeah, so repeat again. Forget, repeat. repeat. <laughs> I love this. Hey, I wanna I wanna do something. I want before we before we go into how people can get the book, how they can connect with you uh, online and all that, which I want to go to that in a second. Maybe maybe just wrapping things up here. The book is as it is in heaven, right? Um, what what are you? What would you say if, if you if you had one minute, right? And these are the the top. Two, and I'll, I'll give you a third bonus reasons why people uh -huh. should get this book, why, why this is going to be helpful for them, right? That, that come, and we've already talked about a lot of things, but what, what, how yeah. would you say, hey, I got a minute. Let me just explain why this book is so important. Okay. This is a book that is over 10 years in the making. It is not a history book. It is not about social injustices. It is not a theo theological, um, theological book. Mm -hmm. This is a book of my story. Mm -hmm. This is a story of what God has done in my heart from middle school, high school, college, up into building this multicultural church. And then there's kingdom principles that's released. Yeah, I've been told and people can tell me anything, but I've been told that the book is funny. I've been told that the book is life giving. This is not a very heavy read that'll make you feel like, oh, my God, we keep talking about the same things. No, I believe you're going to find real life answers practical things that you can do, but most importantly, a kingdom perspective. This is not a, lot, a, a left perspective or right or de Democrat or Republic. This is a kingdom perspective. And so if you want a kingdom perspective, you want to look at it how Jesus does, this is the book for you. Come this on. Book for you. you guys just heard it from the author himself, Pastor Ken Collater. All right. How can people get the book? You know, what are the websites that we can, you know, point them to for you, for your church and all of that? Yeah, you can go to KenClater.com, KenClater.com. There, mm -hmm. There's a you can get the book there. You can also go to Amazon. If you're mm -hmm. an Amazon, like I know you are, you can go to Amazon. Now you can get the book there. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, you um, our church website, Orlando and Gainesville, is MyAliveChurch.org. Got to own it. MyAliveChurch.org. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can also go, of course, to our social media. We're on Instagram at KenClater. Um, uh, TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I might do a couple of dances for you on TikTok and also on Facebook at Pastor Ken Clater. And also my wife, Tabitha, as well. She, you can find her at Tabitha Clater. That's good. I, I, I know I know this is new and it's fresh uh -huh. and it's hot, mm -hmm. but uh -huh. can we talk a little bit about doing life with Ken and Tabitha? Yes, we can. So we've been working on something underground for a while now. 
And we've been placing a bunch of content because our heart is really to bring people practical ways to live out their faith, yeah. um, things they can do in their marriage and in their family and just lifestyle stuff. And so uh, we are launching um, a brand new podcast, which is going to be in a YouTube format called Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha. And so if you just go to YouTube and put in Doing Life with Ken and Tabitha, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll pop up. If it doesn't pop up, just go to a live church and then you can make your way over there because I'm sure they'll link us in. But it's going to be a whole lot of behind the scenes things as we just open up our life and walk together with whoever wants to walk with us. You heard it, everybody. Here's the websites again, KenClater.com. That's Clater, C-L-A-Y-T-O-R. You can also go to mylivechurch.org, which is the church's website. Um, you can find Ken Clater on Instagram, find him on Facebook, uh, TikTok. And uh, hey, it's hot off the press. It's new, doing life with Ken and Tabitha. Check out some great, great content on YouTube. Man, this is awesome. I want to mention, we're talking about all these resources. I want to mention another resource that's important to us here at Avail, which is the Avail Journal, the Avail Christian Leadership Magazine that comes out quarterly. If you're not yet subscribed to Avail, hey, everybody, first year's on us. Uh, go to availjournal.com, availjournal.com. You get the first four on us. I highly encourage it. Uh, it's good to have resources. Would you agree, Pastor Ken, have resources in your leadership journey? Great, great magazine. Great, great magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate, um, of course, Pastor Sam Chan, his leadership. He's, his book, Leadership Pain, helped me get through the pain yeah. of the last 15 years. Yeah. We call it bleeder. It's beautiful and it's brutal <laughs> all, at the same, all at the same time. But it helped me endure to build this multi-ethnic That's right. Church. It's brutal. Yeah, I love that. Magazine. I love the Avail brand. Yes, That's sir. awesome. Thank you for that, uh, Pastor Ken. Uh, again, if you haven't done so, go to availjournal.com, get the first year on us. Um, as we're winding things down here, Pastor Ken, what what do you want to leave on our Avail audience's hearts, on our leaders and pastors' hearts? What, what do you want to leave on their hearts as we close this off? I would just say that you have the answer, and his name is Jesus. And uh, I just believe whether you're a business person or whether you are in ministry, that if you can grab hold of the heart of Jesus— Um, that you can steward a moment to get us into a better place. You know, the times are dark and they're getting darker. And that's what the Bible says. I'm not afraid of the dark. Um, I think light shines best in darkness. But I really believe that now God is calling for a spirit-filled, multi-ethnic movement. Um, He did it back in 1906 with Azusa Street. There was a pastor named William Seymour um, who led the uh, Azusa Street revival. He was a black man with a multicultural congregation. Why did Azusa Street touch every corner of the earth and so many denominations come from that? I really believe because it was a spirit-filled, multi-ethnic movement. I believe God wants to do it again, and I believe he wants to use us. That is awesome. I love that. A spirit-filled, multi-ethnic move. Come on, Lord, bring it. We want that to happen now. I love that, Pastor Ken. Hey, uh, on behalf of our Avail team, on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilborg, everybody behind the scenes at Avail, Pastor Ken, we just want to say to you and Tabitha, we love you. We honor you. We're thankful for your life, for your journey. And thanks for bringing a book like As It Is In Heaven. You guys are a blessing. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Virgil. Love being with you. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Avail podcast as we finish off. We're always talking about the art of leadership, how to get stronger, how to get, how to grow, how to go beyond what we think we can do. And today we've done that with Pastor Ken Clater, his book, As It Is in Heaven. Check it out, kenclater.com, mylivechurch.org. On behalf of Avail, 
My name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical, where we are one church, two languages, and your host here at Avail, where we talk about the art of leadership every single week. We love you. Hope to see you next time right here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, Ken Clater. You can connect with Ken on social media and by going to kenclater.com. And you can also check out myalivechurch.org. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And if you'd like to stay connected to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit us at availleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.